thank you for joining me for Moments to Ponder First John. I'm Betsy Marvin, and this is Episode 6. The beautiful message you've heard right from the start is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love toward one another. We should not be like Cain, who yielded to the evil one and brutally murdered his own brother, Abel. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers righteous. So don't be shocked, beloved brothers and sisters, if you experience the world's hatred. Yet we can be assured that we have been translated from spiritual death into spiritual life because we love the family of believers. A loveless life remains spiritually dead. Everyone who keeps hating a fellow believer is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. If anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action which will reassure our hearts in His presence. Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and He knows everything there is to know about us. My delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God, and whatever we ask of Him, we receive because we keep His commands, and by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to Him. So these are His commands, that we continually place our trust in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another, just as He has commanded us. For all who obey His commands find their lives joined in union with Him, and He lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that He constantly lives and flourishes in us by the Spirit that He has given us. 1 John 3, 11-24 This section begins with the beautiful message heard from the start. Love one another. It would be truly beautiful if we could all live into this. John speaks of love throughout this letter. It's one of those commands that can't be repeated enough. I think it's because we forget it so quickly. Or at least, our actions make it seem like we've forgotten how to love others. I find it interesting that John uses the story of Cain and Abel to remind the followers of Jesus that there are people in this world that will not love us, yet we are still to love others, not in words only, but in our actions. In fact, our behavior our love of others and our trust in Scripture is proof that the Spirit is at work in us. 
This is how we have discovered love's reality, John says. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. His great love. A love that loved you first. A love that continues to love you first. A love that laid down his life for you. This great love should compel us to love others as he loves us. And whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and He knows everything there is to know about us. I can remember when I was younger, feeling really uncomfortable with the idea that God knew everything about me. I mean, everything? There were things in my teenage mind that I did not want Him to know. It felt like a parent invading my privacy. Yet as I've gotten older, I've come to realize how easily I can believe my heart when it seeks to lie to me, bringing thoughts of shame or doubt, reminding me of how I failed. How do we escape those nagging thoughts of not being good enough or the shame of knowing what we've done? Well, it begins by not ignoring them or rationalizing our behavior but by setting our hearts on God's love. Remember, God knows your heart. He is merciful and much greater than our conscience. Romans 8 tells us, There is no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. This is hard for us to grasp because, well, we live in a world of condemnation, but in Him there is none. Your heart is safe with Him. I've come to realize the comfort of being known more intimately than I can even know myself. To know I am loved, even though He knows everything and doesn't condemn me and chooses to walk with me, well, this helps me live into who He says I am. Verse 21 actually tells us not to let our hearts condemn us. When you feel not good enough, Remind yourself that God is greater, His forgiveness is full, and nothing can separate you from His love. When our hearts don't condemn us, meaning we trust who He says we are, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Hebrews tells us to come boldly before His throne. In verse 22, John quotes Jesus' words, that whatever we ask of Him, we receive because we keep His commands. This is a verse that can be confusing. For those of us who pray, we know that there are times when we have not received what we asked for. So does that make these words untrue? No. This is a verse where context matters. There is the word because in this verse. Because we keep His commands, whatever we ask of Him we receive. John goes on to say that our beautiful intentions bring Him pleasure. Intention matters. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy will be done, not my will be done. Meaning seeking what God desires, even if that means it will not directly or personally benefit us, is what we should be doing. One commentator says it this way, 
the key to prayer is being in such close fellowship with God that we ask for the things that are on His heart. We take up His agenda with our requests. Verses 23 and 24 continue the thought, reminding us that we are to continually place our trust in Jesus and keep loving one another. As we obey these commands, our lives flourish as He lives in us, which is proven by the Spirit He has given us. For me, these words are reflective of the Shema. The Shema is a daily Jewish prayer that states, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This prayer was repeated every morning and every night. Jesus added to it with, Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm amazed by how often the Shema is used throughout Scripture. For me, this is God's reminder that this is a whole story. From the days of Moses to this time with John, the command is eternal. When we live out of the commands of loving God fully and loving others of ourselves, our requests will naturally flow out of these commands, which will more likely be in line with His will. Whose voice is the one you most listen to? Yours? Someone in your life? Or the voice of God? What are you asking of Him? I encourage you to spend time in Romans 8, 37-39. And now, may you continually place your trust in the one who loves you completely. May you love others in such a way that they see the truth of Christ's love in you. Listen to the one who knows you better than you know yourself. You are fully seen and fully loved. May your life flourish in Him. Amen.